good evening and welcome to this installment of the TCU Neely School Business Real Estate Webinar. My name is Carl Pankratz. I'm an adjunct professor at TCU, and I'm also president and managing director of Blackacre Commercial, the sponsor for today's event. Uh, so our guest today is Hudson Hidley, uh, a great story, lawyer, investor, um, doing some really neat things, and I can't wait to discuss that. But before we get there, you know, I'm a co-pilot. You know, my, uh, my, my the, the person has really allowed us to do this from TCU, Stephen Jenkins. Stephen, what the heck's going on on the TCU campus? Carl uh, Hudson, thank you so much for, uh, one, uh, allowing me to, to really talk a little bit about the Neely School, man. Um, it's always a lot happening at TCU. Um, the Neely School is continuing to grow and expand uh, in reputation and in number. Uh, so that's exciting. Uh, we're actually getting ready to launch uh, our, our spring intake for our professional and our supply chain graduate program. So professional MBAs and our master of science in supply chain are launching uh, this January. Uh, and so applications are now open. Uh, we are recruiting some of the, the best and brightest students in that area that are looking to grow their career. Uh, professionally, uh, grow their network, uh, and then continue to, to gain some uh, valuable uh, industry insights in those particular areas and disciplines. And so excited about this time of year. Uh, we are, we're getting back out there, talking about the great things TCU are doing, and I appreciate the platforms like this that allows us to kind of continue to spread that message. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, I can't tell you, it's, uh, man, how great is it to be on campus? We're about halfway through. I, I do, uh, on these semesters, I do kind of a mini semester in my real estate law class, and everybody is so darn excited to be back in the classroom. So it's, it's just a fun time to be at TCU. It absolutely is. And so having students uh, all on campus, uh, whether masked or not, man, that, that level of energy and excitement on campus, uh, it permeates throughout the buildings, you'll see it. Uh, in the quad, um, and it's it, it, it just continuing. It's great. It's great to it's great to be on campus, and uh, we can continue moving forward. Yeah. Well, hey, Stephen, go Frogs, and appreciate you. Thank you. Go Frogs. Thank you, Pierre. All right. Yeah. You too. All right. Now we bring to our guest Hudson Henley, and uh, Hudson, if you don't mind, I'll just let you start. Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Well, my name's Hudson Henley, and I grew up in Garland. I uh, went to South Garland High School, and uh, then I went off to the University of North Texas, got a political science degree, followed that up with a law degree from the University of Texas School of Law in Austin, and uh, went to work as a lawyer and uh, worked for a couple of different law firms, then set one up here with a friend of mine from law school and his older brother, and then in 1995, branched out on my own. And uh, ran a law firm for quite a while. My younger brother came and joined me. He was a felony prosecutor, uh, tried a lot of cases, and he is still a partner with me in a law firm. But my focus personally is on real estate development. Yeah, and let's talk about that. So, sure. you know, let's start back. Kind of interesting story. Really, two years after law school, you become a partner. That's uh, not typically the way law students track. So what helped you make the jump so early to a partner? Well, I just uh, felt like I could do it. We both felt like we could do it. And uh, the older brother was a little bit older than us. So he had done 
he'd got to a pretty high level with his practice. Um, but I felt like the difficult thing is getting clients and I'm pretty good at marketing. So I felt like we could do that. Wow. And then, so obviously if you're good at marketing, uh, your next jump was really solo, right? You decide I'm going to go take the jump. And I guess that just comes to, if you can bring in business, that's probably the most difficult part, right? That is true. There are plenty of lawyers starving for business. There are good lawyers who know what they're doing who are starved for business. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of flash forwarding to investor. So that's where you spend today. You spend most of your time as an investor. And, uh, you know, many times lawyers are just by nature conservative. You know, they spend their days looking at contracts uh, to try to make sure that their clients are protected. Uh, so you spend so much time, you know, protect, protect, protect. It's 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 a lot of times hard to make that leap. So you know, that first deal you invested in, you know, that first apartment deal, you know, what about that apartment made that something that really got you uh, ready to take the plunge? Well, I just, uh, I, I was used to, to taking risk. I took risk as, a, as an entrepreneur. So when I started taking risk with real estate, it wasn't, it wasn't that scary to me. Um, I meet people all the time who won't pull the trigger. They look at deal after deal after deal. And they just worry that they're going to make a wrong move. You can't do that. So where's that come from? Where, where, you know, you've, it sounds like for most of your adult life, you have had that, you know, I'm okay with risk. Let's, let's kind of take a swing. Was that, were your parents entrepreneurs or, you know, where did you get that from? Sure. Uh, no, not really. My mom, my mom works for us in the law firm now. Um, she and my father divorced when I was five years old. Um, so I didn't see my, that much of my dad when we were kids. Um, he's, he, he, uh, tried his hand at business, wasn't particularly good at it. Um, but I guess for me, the main thing is I didn't ever feel like I had that much to lose. Hmm. So are you, you know, kind of going down this path, you know, do you feel that law school helped you? You know, or, oh, you know, absolutely. okay, go ahead. Talk about absolutely. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, first and foremost, law what law provided the seed money to get started in my mm. real estate investment investing. Um, had I never be, been a lawyer, hadn't done anything that allowed me to make pretty good money for a sustained period of time, I wouldn't have ever had the capital to invest in real estate. That's one thing. Um, secondly, running a, a law firm is running a business, um, and you learn to read people and learn to do deals and how not to do deals. You make a lot of mistakes. And then thirdly, uh, seeing, uh, the law side of things, you see deals that, that go bad. Um, you see people in uh, disputes and you learn to, figure out what happens when people have disagreements. That's been invaluable to me to have a sense for what happens in a courthouse, because I, I think that a lot of people fear courthouses more than I do. So the number side. Um, so you mentioned that you'd seen agreements, you'd seen disputes, you've seen a lot of different sides of the deal, but you know, kind of taking a rent roll, taking a T12, and, and really ascertaining, is this a good deal? Where's it we're in that side of the business? Really just from doing it. Um, I never went to business school. 
I switched to political science because I didn't like accounting. So I don't have the formal financial education I wish I did, and I'm not willing to go get it at my advanced age. So I, uh, I know what I, I know just from doing it, talking to people who know more than I do. Um, but I have to say that the fact that I don't see these things so much as a numbers project, as I think a lot of my competition does, I'm able to see a different side of these things because ultimately it's a people business. Um, my first concern when I'm looking at a deal is who lives there now, who could live there, how much could I charge them? That kind of points to, you know, a lot of the properties you've bought have been, you know, classified roughly as C-class, right? Really, I mean, that's the, the tip of the spear for, uh, you know, workplace housing. So, you know, what, you know, what about that class, um, I guess, allows you to gravitate? And, and you probably mentioned it. It's, it's who, who could live there and who could potentially live there. Right. Well, I cut my teeth in old East Dallas and uh, I became really fond of transitional neighborhoods, trans transitional properties. That is uh, seeing, a, seeing a, a, a difference being made, you know, in a neighborhood that the neighborhood is changing for the better. Incomes are going up, uh, crimes going down those sorts of things that presents opportunity. Mm. And, you know, as you know, there's been a lot of groups that maybe started in C or B and now transitioned to maybe A or B in your case, you know, has your, has your buying criteria changed? You know, there's, there's several deals that I've seen that, you know, maybe in 2013, it went for 30,000, two years later, 60,000, and two years later, it's a hundred thousand. You know, you've seen such an escalation in price. And you've been in the game a long time, and I'm sure a lot of the deals you have are, you know, you bought at a fantastic basis, you know, when you look at today's terms. So, you know, are, are you still buying today? Are you still being able to see deals? Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's interesting because um, a lot of times when I hear people referencing those sorts of things, I think just how, how much the prices had gone up in order to get to $30,000, let's say. Um, that is that every generation sees that prices are high and then they continue to get higher. You know, obviously we had a crash in 2007. I won't soon forget that. But typically, as long as the population is growing, prices are going up. I know one thing, I'm having to pay people more money if they have more money in their pocket, they can afford more rent. Mm, great points. Great points. And, and if the, you know, kind of talking about what rent they can afford, you know, that really goes into property management. So you know, managing, you have to manage a C-class property different than a B or an A, obviously. So, no you know, can you, you know, do you do you man do you self-manage? Do you use third party? And, and can you maybe talk about some of those differences in managing C-class properties? Sure. Uh, I do have third-party property management, but only in Waco. Um, here in North Texas, I manage them myself. I don't mean personally. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't collect the rent or anything. I have staff, but I don't use a third-party property management company here. Yeah, as far as you know, there, there's there's some of these classes where. You know, you're dealing with uh, all bills paid or separating out all bills paid. 
or, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's collecting rent, but at a time where, you know, we have eviction moratoriums, I mean, do you feel is, has it gotten more difficult to manage these properties? I mean, are you, do you feel like there's been more challenges um, as rents have gone up to, to still, I guess, collect um, given this, you know, there, at the end of the day, it just seems like, you know, there's a cap in the workforce housing, you know, population as to what they can pay. I know we haven't hit that yet, but it seems like it has to be close. You know, there, you know, as you mentioned their you know, their salaries have gone up and there is more money in their pocket and that's helped I'm sure. But, you know, I guess, are there any added challenges the last couple of years that you, know, you guys maybe have faced? Well, um, as I said, um, we are having to pay a lot more money now than we did two years ago. The pandemic was an anomalous situation and defies any kind of simple pat answer to the whole thing. But, but uh, if you just look at a five-year curve, wages are way up from where they were. And, you know, I have often taken solace in the fact that if you look at cities, not necessarily Manhattan, but other cities around the United States, Dallas is still cheap. Mm. And to your question of, you know, how can these people pay more? How do they live in the East Bay? Yeah. Uh, they have plumbers, they have electricians, they have factory workers who live in the San Francisco Bay on the east side. How can they afford to live there? Uh, there are people who are tradesmen who live in seven-figure homes. Hmm. How do they do it? Well, they get paid more there. So changing topics. Uh, one, one of the neat things you have as well is, you know, you're not you're not just buying apartments, but you're really envisioning um, a, a, a place, uh, you know, your placemaking and specifically in Oak Cliff. You know, over the time, you know, talk, you, you've assembled quite a few parcels and, and making that area a better place is one of your passions. So, you know, talk about what you're doing in Oak Cliff. You know, talk about maybe how'd you start assembling the land and, and maybe your vision for the area. Absolutely. Well, um, my interest in Oak Cliff began when one of my friends said he was moving there. And uh, as I mentioned, I grew up in Garland. So I'm from the DFW area. I was born in California, moved here when I was three years old. So I had always thought of Garland. I mean, I'm sorry. I'd always thought of Oak Cliff as being kind of a rough area. I grew up thinking that anyway. And one of my friends said he was going to live there. And uh, I was kind of surprised when he said that. And he said, well, you just need to spend some time over there. You need to see it for yourself. At the time, I was living in the M Streets. I had a series of homes that I had lived in in the M Streets. And um, I started buying property in Old East Dallas. Still own quite a bit over there. And... Uh, I went to, to look and I went driving around and I looked at prices and I looked at neighborhoods. And the more I looked into, especially North Oak Cliff, the more I thought to myself, I've seen this movie before. This is the exact same pattern I saw develop in Old East Dallas, where these where there's just a wave of change that neighborhoods block by block by block get better. You know, the crime goes down. The people start painting their houses, landlords start taking better care of their rental properties, properties change hands, uh, properties get knocked down, new structures get built. All those sorts of things have happened in North Oak Cliff. 
And so I thought the same thing's going to happen here. And, you know, historically, Oak Cliff, because it is a cliff, because it is on elevated land, it was the first place they wanted to build. Um, it's actually, topographically, it's about the best land in Dallas, if you ask me. And uh, North Oak Cliff is a short drive to downtown Dallas, so it only made sense to me. Um, but as far as what I'm doing over there, I started um, assembling land uh, near Bishop Arts, on the outskirts of Bishop Arts, uh, over 10 years ago. And uh, when I heard about the deck park that was eventually going to be built there, got really excited about it and stepped up my efforts to acquire land. Now I've got about 20 acres in and around the deck park. And, uh, you know, as you can see, if you drive down I-35 toward Waco, you can see that the, uh, the structure is built to support the deck. And uh, from what I'm told, it's going to open in 2023. And when it does, I hope to have some more property close to development. Um, my first thing to do up there is to build 260 apartment units with some retail underneath and knock on wood. If that works, then I want to build some more, but uh, I've got plenty of land to do it. Now let's pause to hear from today's sponsor. Apartment owners have a lot on their plate. Dealing with lenders doesn't need to be one of them. At Blackacre Commercial, our team is comprised of individuals with high-level experience in real estate law, title insurance, city council, and acquisitions. Thus, unlike other mortgage brokers, we not only get you a great loan, we get you to close. Whether you are looking for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, Bridge, or Life Company loans, we are ready to help. Let Blackacre Commercial's national network of lenders and equity providers handle your next apartment refinance or acquisition. For more information, give us a call, 806-438-7194, or visit us at blackacrecommercial.com. Where did you get the, you're not, you know, you're not an architect by trade. You know, how, you know, obviously you've talked about, you know, you have a pretty good eye for seeing as neighborhoods are changing, but to see the bigger scope of not only neighborhoods chasing, but, you know, I can make this, I can build a sense of place here. Hmm. Where did that come from, Hudson? Uh, well. You're right. I don't have any architectural training, and uh, I don't. I don't really think I have a great eye for design. Uh, but you know, you have to know your limitations. What I do have a sense for, I think, is where people want to live, and where the next move could be. And uh, I like where the deck park is going to be because it's so close to downtown Dallas. Uh, the deck itself is going to be a catalyst. People are going to want to be there. We already have an example of it with the Clyde Warren Park. People want to be there. You drive there on a Saturday when the weather's nice and it's full. And so I anticipate the same thing and people want to be around stuff like that. So from a leadership standpoint, you know, I, I'm in your office now and, you know, there's, you have a, a you know, a part of your office space, property management. Um, there is a legal side. Um, you're, you know, in order to get, you know, there's property managers and, and there's, there's, there's specific contractors or, or people that work for you that are part of your maintenance group. So you do lead, you know, a, a significant amount of people. What is your leadership style? What, what, I guess, whenever you're building a team like that, are you focused on, I communicate everybody the same way, or 
I know that, you know, there's property managers that I have to push a certain way or pull a certain way. Just what is your leadership style? Well, you know, certainly everybody's different. Um, everybody's motivated by different things. Everyone wants to make money if they're working, of course. But um, people like to be thanked. They like to be appreciated. Some people react to different forms of appreciation than others. But, you know, I, I've uh, always tried to treat people with respect. I don't raise my voice at people. I've always felt that if you have somebody you have to ride, then you have the wrong employee. Um, I read a piece one time from a serial entrepreneur. I, his name escapes me, but he was asked, um, you have a reputation for um, creating a positive workforce, work environment where people like working here. How do you create that? And he said, that's the wrong question. The right question is, how do I find people who can be happy here? So I, I always treat people with respect. Um, I'm, I'm nice to, I'm nice to the guy sweeping the streets. I'm nice to uh, the richest guy I know. And uh, I'm equally nice. I don't, I don't uh, look down on anybody for the kind of work they do. Everybody has a contribution to make and it's all important. If you don't have somebody who's picking up the litter, then you have a, an apartment complex that looks terrible and people don't want to live in a place with trash all over the place. So the, the porter is an important person. The guy who works on the HVAC is an important person. People are hot. They won't pay you rent. So I think they all have something to contribute and uh, I welcome their input. Uh, when they have something to tell me important about my property. Hmm. Last question. What would a 30, you know, what would you advise a 30 year old Hudson Henley about you know, <laughs> investing, about just kind of, you know, reaching success based on, you know, everything you had to go through? Well, I, I do talk to a lot of younger people. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't want to overstate my age or make people think I'm, uh, a really old guy or anything. I don't feel that way, but um, but I do talk to a lot of people in their say late twenties, early thirties, sometimes older, and uh, a lot of people want to get into the business. They want to invest in real estate. They often want to try to make a lot of money, um, and so I always say, you know, first thing you need to do is buy a house. If you're living in an apartment, I mean, I, I'm shooting myself in the foot because I love tenants. I love tenants who pay me rent. But um, if you're renting an apartment, you need to be buying a house. And even if you have to buy a house in a neighborhood where you don't really want to live, where it's a little bit away from uptown or wherever you want to be that you think is more cool, you just have to make sacrifices. And um, you, you have to be patient i i didn't make the money that i have with get rich quick schemes or you know late night tv kind of real estate investing um, it's a lot more mundane it's day-to-day -day grind it's uh waiting you know right now um i am 
in the process of refinancing a bunch of my properties. And, you know, frequently I do these cash out refis. I'll pay cash. A lot of these are smaller. I still buy single family homes. Um, and, you know, they're, it's like harvesting. I manage them for years and years and then take them and refinance them or I buy them and fix them up. Sometimes I pay cash for them, and, um, put tenants in them, and then I refinance them and get my money back and do it again. But the great bulk of the success I've had, the money I've made, has been from long-term investments, not get rich quick, not flipping things. Um, I always tell people who are flipping houses, you need to keep some of them because flipping houses is a job. You don't, you're not going to get rich doing a job unless you're a professional baseball player. Hmm. Good way to end it. Uh, Hudson, you know, I've followed your career. Like I said for a while, great to have you on the podcast and, uh, you know, appreciate you. Hope to see you in class soon. Oh yeah. Thank you. Thanks Carl. All right. Thank you. All right.